0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My friend Rich is a Lutheran, and I saw him a few months ago. And he walking down to, and he comes up to me, and he's got a big black eye. And I said, Rich, where'd you get that black eye? He said, You're not going to believe it. I got it in church. I said, Really? He said, yeah, Pastor Finkus tells us to stand and open our hymnals, and I do. And there's a rather large woman in front of me. And her dress had sort of gotten caught, you know, in an indiscreet way. He said, so I reached up and I pulled it out. And she turned around and socked me in the face. <laughs> a couple weeks later, I see him again. He's got another black eye. I said, Rich, what in the world are you doing? What happened? He said, well, here is what, it happens in church again. As luck would have it, I'm sitting in the same pew, and the same woman is in front of me. Pastor Finkus tells us to stand and open our hymnals, I do. And wouldn't you know, her dress is caught again. But this time, a little boy sitting next to me reaches up and grabs it and pulls it out. And I told him, no, she doesn't like it, so I put it back in. (laughs) I wish that story was true. April Fools. I wish it was true because it's funny and surprising, right? One place you're not supposed to be surprised in church. You know what's coming. It's, it's predictable in some way. If you were honest, you knew what to expect. You knew what people would be wearing today. You knew what uh, we'd be singing. You knew how to, You know how to locate yourself in the liturgy, which is a way of saying you know how when you're close to the end. And if you're honest, you know what happens after this. There's a little coffee hour. There's going to be some sweets and some coffee and some snacks. And you're going to talk to some people perhaps and chat a bit. And you'll share the things that polite people share, um, weather and sports and that sort of thing. And maybe you'll go to brunch afterward. And you kind of already know what's on the menu for brunch. You kind of have your heart set on eggs benedict or whatever it is. And right now you're thinking, I wish the preacher quit talking about brunch because I'm getting hungry, (laughs) right? We kind of like predictability. Some people say they don't. They prefer spontaneity. But the truth is most of us like predictability. It brings a sense of comfort and warmth. It brings a sense of, um, of security. Nobody came here today expecting a guy to get punched in the eye. Because that's not what happens in church. The Gospel writer Mark tells us a story about some women who on a Saturday night went out to a market and they bought uh, some spices, some, some sweet-smelling spices, perhaps aloe and myrrh and maybe some balsam wood. He calls these aromata. Uh, these are uh, spices and, and woods that they would buy to, um, to help put around a body that has died so that when decomposition begins to take place, it won't smell. Mark says they rose early in the morning then, on Sunday morning, and they headed to the cemetery. They were going to the place where Jesus had been buried. He doesn't tell us much about what happens along the way. He doesn't tell us much about their conversation. And I imagine it was pretty brief, don't you? There wasn't much to be said. There was quiet. One thing they do talk about along the way that Mark tells us, who's going to roll away the stone? Who's going to remove the stone from in front of the tomb? The tomb in which Je- is described in the Gospels in which Jesus was buried. Many of these have been um, uncovered in archaeological digs in the recent years. Um, the, the stone in front of the tomb would have been four feet in diameter and about a foot thick. And it was hewn from a single piece of stone. It would have weighed anywhere from two to four tons. So, you know, a, a, a significant weight, four to eight thousand pounds. A heavy, heavy stone. Not impossible to move. But it would take several really strong people to get it out of the way. Unsealing a tomb wasn't easy, but it wasn't impossible. It just took several strong people. We have three women who were showing up that morning. They bought spices because they saw Jesus die. They're heading to the cemetery because they saw where he was buried. They were concerned about the stone because they knew it was too heavy for them. They knew what to do and what to expect. And you heard what happened. When they arrived at the cemetery, the stone was rolled away. I imagine that first sight of the stone being rolled away from the tomb was horrifying to them. They see this. This is not the way things are supposed to happen. This isn't what they expected at all. And I imagine them carrying these baskets of spices and dropping them as they take off running as soon as they see it. and, And they run up to the tomb. Mark says, they went into. Two times he says into. Aisathusai, ace. The word ace is into in Greek. They went into, into the tomb. He wants us to know, they went in the tomb. They weren't just standing outside looking. They walk in and they want to see what was going on in here. When they look in, they see somebody. There's a young man sitting in there, dressed in a white robe. imagine it's like, what? What are you doing here? Who are you? Mark is taking this down for us. He wasn't there. He's getting this report secondhand, isn't he? They've told him what they saw. When we went in, somebody had rolled away the tomb and and there was this young fellow in there. And Mark takes notes, a young man. He was really wearing a white robe. and, And somebody says, a really white robe? Yeah, a really white robe. Because in the ancient world, you had to be very wealthy to have a really white robe. It was hard to launder fabric and get it clean. And Mark says, Yeah, a really white robe. And they were amazed. They were stunned, is the word Mark uses. They were shocked. They were, I just saw a guy get punched in church kind of shocked. They were really that sort of stunned. And I imagine somebody asked the question to the women as they're giving this report. You're not suggesting it was an angel or something who was in there. I don't know, they say. I don't know what he was. Well, did he say anything? Turns out he did. He did say something. He said something like this, and this is the, the Joe Boissel translation, but he did translate it from Greek, so I think it's pretty fair. Settle down, ladies. <laughs> I, don't, I know who you're looking for. Jesus of Nazareth. You expected to find the dead man. Well, he's been raised by God. Look right here. This is the place. Where you left his body, isn't it? Oh, the people say, you probably just missed the grave robbers. And that's when the women say, oh, but he said something else. He said, I'm going ahead of you. He said, Jesus says, I'm going ahead of you. I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Now, Jesus had said this. He had told the people, he told his friends, that you are all going to scatter as soon as I'm crucified. But I will go ahead of you. I will meet you in Galilee. Peter says, you remember this? Even though they all fall away, Lord, not me. I'm not going to leave you. But if you know the story, he clearly does. Jesus, the women rather, say that Jesus says he's going ahead into Galilee. That he'll be there. And then they say this. Peter, he called you by name. The man in the white robe said, and tell Peter... Jesus will meet him there too. That had to be stunning. You remember the story of Peter, the night of Jesus' crucifixion, hanging out by the fire, warming his hands when the little servant girl says, Hey, I recognize your accent. You're one of them. You're one of that Jesus group. And he says, No, no, I, I never met the man. No, seriously, you're one of them. I know you are. And he begins to swear and curse. I never knew him. And now the young man in white says, Peter, Jesus is going to meet you in Galilee as well. I think the real surprise that Mark gives us is the surprise of God's mercy. That when all of us turn around and run away, when we flee and deny him, that Christ does not deny us. That when we run, he comes looking for us. He comes after us. Who here among us? Hasn't at one time or another rejected God's love in our lives? (laughs) Who here among us doesn't need forgiveness? Who here hasn't messed it up really badly? The resurrection points to this, that when humanity is at its most wicked, its most spiteful, its most wretched, when when we do everything we can to push God away, God does not flee from us. Go tell Peter. I'll meet him in Galilee. Go tell him I'll be there the great German reformer Martin Luther, wrote in his journal. He said that there was a time in his life when he felt besieged by Satan. He felt like the devil was coming to him and he kept saying to him over and over in his ear and in his mind, Martin, you are a great sinner. You're going to die and go to hell. And he said it started happening to him day after day, moment after moment, Martin, you're a great sinner. You're going to die and go to hell. Martin, you're a great sinner. You're going to die and go to hell. And Luther says at one point, He slammed his fist down on the table and said out loud, speaking to the devil, You are right. I am a great sinner. But the Bible says Christ Jesus came to save sinners. And therefore, I shall be saved. We should be all shocked today. Shocked and surprised by joy. The joy that Christ Jesus came into the world to save us. Because we too are sinners. And by shocked by the overwhelming joy of knowing the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, because He has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen Hallelujah.